0: Welcome back to Intersectionalize It. Today's topic is a special one. This week is something special. It's going to be a three-part series. The history of minstrelsy in American film, African-American film, and and its influence on modern-day culture. According to the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, minstrelsy was comedic performances of Blackness by whites in exaggerated costumes and makeup, which cannot be separated fully from the racial derision and stereotyping at its core. In this episode, I will provide historical background on the origins of minstrelsy and discussing the impact that it has had on American society since then. Minstrelsy is still fairly present in American films today and shown in other digital media as well, but in more subtle ways throughout society. So once again, this is going to be a week-long adventure, so be sure to tune in every other day this week. part one minstrelsy's birth and its use throughout early american films minstrelsy began in the early 1800s a type of american entertainment that depicted and mocked people of african descent through comic skits a variety of acts dancing and music performances the first minstrel shows were performed by white people that would blacken their faces with shoe polish similarly Shown but in a motion picture format by filmmaker Alan Crossland's revolutionary film, The Jazz Singer. These performances would display the derogative qualities of Black people being lazy, ignorant, hypersexual, or thieves. We have all seen that sort of portrayal of Black people in society before in the media. One of the main sources of entertainment that utilized the themes of minstrelsy a lot was the film industry, Hollywood. American film historian and author Donald Bogle explains the disrespect and degradation. black people faced in the early years of american filmmaking in his chapter the 1940s of his book tom's coons mulattos mammies and bucks an interpretive history of blacks in american film Baco informs us that the hollywood created space for black representation on screen but in a stereotypical way boggle informs us of the five stereotypical bins or essentially characters that black people could be when on the big screens this included being one a mammy a black nanny two White children and their char- and this character stand from slavery times to portray black women as being happy as slaves and as the help. Two a mulatto, or more known as the tragic mulatto, a white passing black person that despised being black but also strongly disliked white people, but desperately wanting to be accepted into white America. Both of these can be seen in the film Imitation of Life, directed by John Stahl, where the lead actress Annie is a mammy, and her daughter, Sarah Jane, is the tragic mulatto. Number three, a Tom. Black men who were faithful and happy service to the white people, male version of the mammy, and was also created during slavery times. Number four, a coon. Black men, often young black men, depicted as lazy, unreliable, useless beings, except eating watermelon and butchering the English language. Both of these can be seen in Within Our Gates, directed by Oscar Michaud, where Luis's dad stands up to his boss, but events turn for the worse when the boss gets shot by someone else. Another black worker, the coon, sees the incident from outside through a window and decides to run into town to tell the white people Luis's father killed a white man, which then led to other horrific events in the film. Lastly, number five, the brute, or the brutal brute, or buck. A black man who portrayed animalistic, menace-like, and criminal-like behavior usually seen as a fiend or sociopath. A good example is the infamous chase scene in D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation where the brutal brute chased a young girl off the cliff since she didn't want to be with him. Like, y'all, she killed herself because she couldn't stand or fathom the thought of being with a black man. Thomas Dartmouth-Rice is known as one of the first people to popularize Minstrelsy through his Jim Crow character. By the mid-1800s, Minstrelsy was booming and quickly became a worldwide phenomenon that an entertainment sub-industry was creating. This reminds me of an American poet and novelist Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem titled... We wear the mask. Dunbar was speaking to black people's experiences and wanted the truth out that black people are doing a disservice to themselves to live behind the mask. Poet and author Quentin Baker gives a brief in-depth explanation of Dunbar's point of that the poem was ironizing the strategies for black folks who were living in the toxic world of white supremacy. Welcome back to Intersectionalize It and thank you for being here to continue this journey with me on exploring and discussing the influence of minstrelsy on African American cinema. This is part 2, the impact of minstrelsy on African American films, the mid to late 1900s. People began to oppose the ideas behind minstrelsy, Hollywood began to shift its direction to more films emphasizing Black stories in more dynamic light. Yes, this was the time when everyone and anyone wanted to be chaff or coffee, or simply a bad, whoa there, my mama listens to these shows, so we gotta keep it clean. But yes, this was the time of more Hollywood productions but still held on to the values of minstrel shows and brought up new problematic themes such as hypersexuality, woman promiscuity, toxic masculinity, and gun-slash-drug-related activity. While this period was important to the Black community by giving us fantasies with representation that was once very white, this was also a way for Hollywood to sustain their industry, to not collapse since they were running out of content ideas and more white people were moving to the suburbs, meaning the cinemas were in the cities were pretty empty. But again, let's try to focus on the positive, that Black people were finally getting screen time in lead roles. representation was a time when films like Shaft, Superfly Coffee, Foxy Brown, Black Caesar, and so much more alike were the hype. I'll be sure to leave a few links below for y'all to explore. It was still nice just to see someone who looks like you on the screen in a less demeaning way. See, right here, many were mistaken to the fact that the new portrayal of militant Black actresses and actors on the big screen still reflected menstrual ideals. Let's take Shaft, for example. He is a middle-class Black man working as a detective and a big-time womanizer, as his theme song sung by Isaac Hayes, states a sex machine to all the chicks, Shaft. While Shaft is seen as a heroic-like figure in many people's eyes, the notions of a Tom and Brute come into play in some of the scenes when other people try to interrogate him and make him appear as a big menace to society. At the same time, helping the white man get things done by solving cases. Additionally, the white statement themes of black people being useless or coon-like is seen in the film as Shaft interacts with other members of the community, such as the one shown in the opening scene when a black man tries to sell stolen products to Shaft unaware of his profession as a detective. This may seem a little far-fetched, but it is not. Such minstrel ideas have been essentially ingrained into society that escaping it or forgetting about it is not necessarily possible. But making it not the forefront of your life or intentionally not using it, it is possible. Blackspotation lasted only for a few years. In the 1980s, Black superstars were the hype for Hollywood, like Whoopi Goldberg, Eddie Murphy, and Richard Pryor. Because how Hollywood saw it was that they didn't need an all-Black casted film to make money. Ideas of minstrelsy floating around today or neo-minstrelsy can be seen like microaggressions. Best described by psychologist and Columbia University professor Daryl Wingsu, microaggressions are the everyday slights, indignities, put-downs, and insults that people of color, women, LGBT populations, or those who are marginalized experience in their day-to-day interactions with people. While microaggressions are not outright racist, it still holds true to some racist ideals. Unfortunately, so films like The Toy, 1982, Beverly Hills Cops, 1984, and Jumpin' Jack Flash, 1986, were the hype. Minstrelsy was still a part of that hype. In the 1980s, Spike Lee was the main scene, and his films, along with others, blackness, creativity, realness, comedy, novelty to the film industry, Oh wait, also brought toxicity, a nuanced form of minstrelsy. For instance, in his 1986 film She's Gotta Have and Noah is at first perceived to be independent and knowledgeable of her self-desires. But as the plot thickens, Nola starts to really look similar to that of the tragic mulatto, not necessarily wanting to be a part of the white man's world, but being defined by other people, especially men. I recommend reading, and I'll, and I'll link it below, American author of feminist Bell Hook's piece titled Whose Pussy Is This? A Feminist Comment. Here she gives an interesting holistic perspective on this film. Moving on, School Days was another one of Lee's creations that continues such nuanced minstrelsy. In school days there is a schoolyard scene where a black fraternity was yelling and chanting homophobic slurs american filmmaker and gay rights activist marlon riggs addresses Spike Lee's decision to include such a degrading scene through his own poetic documentary style film tongues untied links for these points will be provided below but a brief overview of marlon riggs 1989 films tongues untied is expressing pride in oneself poetically saying and showing the pain that the black gay men feel as other black members of the black community especially Popular ones with higher stats, such as comedian A.U. Murphy and filmmaker Spike Lee, continue to do mocking black gayness in their works. Marlon Riggs discusses this idea of finding the other within a community to feel powerful. Black directors, producers, actors, and comedians constantly look for how to not be labeled as the other are using minstrelsy in their craft and are doing this to climb higher in stats. Riggs expresses the conflicting notion of self discovery in society, especially when living in your own community. Welcome back to Intersectionalize It, and thank you for being here to continue this week long journey with me on exploring and discussing the influence of minstrelsy on African-American cinema and other modern-day media. We are finally to the last part of this incredible talk. This is part three, the influence of minstrelsy in today's American society, late 1900s to now in the 2000s. A quick recap. We discussed the origins of minstrelsy and the early forms of it being used as entertainment through skits, arts, and especially films. We discussed stereotypical bands, the Mammy Mulatto, Tom, Coon, and Brute. talked about Spike Lee's creations bringing a more nuanced form of minstrelsy shown subtly through his films. We also talked about how writers, filmmakers, and other scholars were active to critique minstrel use. Bamboozle is a notable 2000 Spike Lee film looking at minstrelsy's influence on cinema and using it for the better understanding of what Black people were going through and still are today in Hollywood. Similar to Robert Towns' 1987 film, Hollywood Shuffle, Lee as well centered Bambuza on important current events within society through satire. This film reminds me of the message that Paul Dunbar tried to get across to people by continuing to wear the mask. Furthermore, a prominent figure to film and minstrelsy was Stephen Fetchit, who was the richest Black actor in the 1930s to 1950s due to his advanced culinary skills shown in films, represented by Black people, but was played. Like, Y'all, they, white America, Hollywood, erased this man's existence, cut him out of films after dehumanizing and exploiting his talent of displaying such foolery as the ultimate coon in early American films. But okay. I guess. But anyways, the plot in Bamboozle is essentially parallel to that of Fetch's career. While films and TV were still a big entertainment service, like Tyler Perry's Medea movie franchise soon the crowd wanted more and when i say more i mean less less in the sense of time something fast quick and looped as entertainment while some of you may think okay so you're talking about short films right nah want to shorten the short docs i mean even shorter than youtube videos so a platform that did this was that was a more nuanced version of vine came along tiktok while TikTok, just like a lot of other entertainment that brings the people together, it can also present some issues as well. Specifically with TikTok, the platform is usually comprised of younger individuals that hop onto trends like no man's business. And this trendy bandwine usually incites ignorance and brings along unaware menstrual ideals. In a Wired article, senior editor Jason Parham covers blogs on pop culture from an intersectional viewpoint. Parham speaks on the history of blackface to its modern use among the youth, especially on college campuses around Halloween season. Although more recently, Parm analyzes and describes the influence of blackface on the TikTok platform. Parham brings up the issue of blackfishing from non-black TikTokers and YouTubers to gain instant fame on their platforms. In his article, Parham states TikTok is a video-first platform, and on it, creators embody blackness. Taking on black rhythms, gestures, affect, slang, the most effective videos come down to one factor, how well a creator grabs hold of our attention. To elaborate on The topic of minstrelsy's impact on the youth even further, a UK dissertation paper scholar Jack Harvard, assesses blackface minstrelsy's history from the 1800s to the 2000s and how now in the 2000s blackface minstrelsy is still practiced but in more ignorant and covert ways. While Harvard speaks more specifically to blackface minstrelsy, this relates to my point of minstrelsy as a whole never going away but now more visible due to the use of social media, especially that of TikTok. See, minstrelsy has become an integral part of American culture that many people do not recognize when they are using it. Like, I didn't know what minstrelsy or minstrel shows were until taking an intro course to African American cinema in college. Shout out to Professor Shepard. you the best. Essentially, if you are unfamiliar with something, do the research for yourself. Before doing something or participating in something, really reflect to see which practices and events do such activities stem from. Just because something is unfamiliar does not mean it should be dubbed as the other or mocked, but instead understood and appreciated from its uniqueness it brings to humanity. So that's on that for this week-long journey. We discussed the intersections of minstrelsy and African-American film along with looking at misrepresentation of the Black community as a whole. Once again, check out the links and sources below for more in-depth information on the topics talked about throughout this week's episodes. And remember that it's never too late to do or say something. It's never too late to make that difference that the world needs. Y'all stay blessed.